What's up, Black Knight Nation? This is Sal Interdonado for the Black Knight Nation podcast. Uh, we have another incredible guest coming up uh, right after this ad read from Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a is run by Joe Ross. Higher Echelon is a world-class consulting firm that trains employees in sports psychology sec- secrets that drastically improve work performance. Joe Ross is a former Army football player, a former Army football coach, and he's retired Army, and he puts that experience to use for his clients. So we thank Higher Echelon for uh, – sponsoring this podcast you can um get uh, you can su- subscribe to us on the our youtube channel at black knight nation we're also on all major podcast platforms including apple amazon um spotify you can you can listen to to our podcast there um we're going to welcome in our, our our very special guest today jacob herdebees jacob thanks thanks for joining us this, uh this afternoon sal thanks for having me we, we were talking before we went on we were talking about all, all the people that I, we've had on the Black Knight Nation podcast from Cole Christensen to Elijah Riley to Don Franco, and we really want to try to spread spread the spread the love, so to speak, with, with baseball here, Jacob. So we appreciate you coming on, man. Um, you've had a great first um, minor league season for the Reds at Dayton, and uh, we usually when we start when we start this, we like to get to a little bit how you were, how you ended up at West Point, and then get into kind of your, maybe we can get into your journey now. To playing minor league baseball in the Reds organization. Um, tell us a little bit about how West Point worked out for you and how you were able to get there and kind of start it all started, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so going into my junior year of high school, um, I was uh, a pretty small kid. Uh, I didn't really know whether or not playing Division One college baseball was going to be an opportunity for me. Um, just because of my size and kind of my, my skill set, the only thing that I really had going for me was that I was really, really fast. Uh, you know, you hear the five tools in baseball. It's like hit for contact, hit for power, speed, defense, and throwing arm. Um, and I, I felt like I only had about one of those tools at the time, and that, that was speed. Um, but going into my junior year of, uh, of college, or excuse me, of high school, um, I went to a showcase uh, in the Indianapolis area. Um, and basically what happened is I ran a really fast 60 time. Um, I was able to show off my arm a little bit. Um, and after the very first day of that kind of showcase, um, I only received one phone call and that phone call happened to be from army West point. Um, and when I got that phone call, uh, you know, I talked to, at the time it was coach to Chico, uh, it was coach to Chico and coach Reed, um, were, leading the uh, army baseball team. Um, and I talked to coach DeChico on the phone for about 20 to 30 minutes, uh, hung up the phone and I was like, what the heck army? I was like, Ar- does army even have like a, a school, a pro? Like I thought it was kind of just one of those things where you go out of high school and you either join the military and that's it. I didn't know anything about like the difference between officer corps and the NCO corps um, in the military. Uh, so after receiving that phone call, I kind of talked to my parents and I was like, like, what, what am I getting myself into if, you know, I, I chose to go to West Point. Um, and uh, it, just kind of funny how things ended up working out. I did my research on the academy and, um, the more that I read into it and learned about West Point, 
um, the more that I was kind of in awe that I was even being considered to get, to attend a place like West Point, how prestigious it is, and um, just all the leaders that have come out of West Point, um, you know, to to make the history that it, that has happened in America, um, and all the leaders that have come from there. Um, and so, after learning about all those, um, like just the opportunities that I could have out of West Point, uh, I didn't even need to have any other college offers. I was like. And this is this is the place that I feel like is going to be home to me for the next four years. Um, and so after about a month, um, I, I decided to commit to West Point and that's where I ended up going. That's how I got to West Point. Man, the rest is kind of history. And um, your career at West Point, I mean, the, the team had a lot of success during your four years. And you look at um, your career, too. I mean, you're I was I have a. a filled up a sheet of paper what your accomplishments while you were at West Point. I mean, you're still the all-time steals leader, right? You, you scored 71 runs in 2019, and that's still the record for Army. Um, Patriot League MVP in 2019, right? The tournament MVP. Yeah, the tournament MVP. I mean, that that had to be a special moment for you, right? I mean, I mean, is there – there's got to be a lot of – fantastic memories from your your baseball career at army and probably just as a cadet there too so yeah i think i think the biggest memories that i have were in those patriot league tournaments um just because the stakes are so high we're fighting for a bid in the ncaa tournament and the fact that two of the three um yeah two two of the three years that i was able to participate in the tournament we were fighting against navy in the uh in the championship um, in 2018 and then again in 2019 um, and being able to just compete against Navy and having an extra shot at that rivalry at a, in a higher stake situation, you know, it just, it just makes the game that much more fun and that much more exciting for us as players um, and being able to win those championships with my teammates and um, doing it back to back years, my teammate or some of my teammates just finished the three peat um, this yeah. past year. Uh, but yeah, being able to make those memories on the field were so incredible and something that I'll cherish forever. Maybe we could go back to something that you kind of started with, um, and the speed that you have. I mean, it's, it can be a difference maker in baseball. And in the past it was, and maybe the stolen base game has been, especially at maybe in, at the major league baseball level is maybe not that profound anymore, but how were you able to um, was it just something that you were naturally gifted with or what, when did you start noticing that, Hey, you can change the game with your, your, your ability to run the bases and your speed? I think that, yeah, I think I've always had speed kind of like I talked about early in my career. I realized that was the one tool that really stood out for me, um, among my peers. Um, but I just think that the way that I play the game with energy and speed, um, and just trying to get on base and wreak havoc. That's what really kind of set myself apart. And what I noticed was that teams would become uncomfortable, especially the pitchers, whenever I would get on first base. Um, one of the things that I don't think a lot of people might realize is <clears throat> when I get on first base, pitchers will start to pay more attention to me as opposed to the hitter. And it'll just create more opportunities for the hitter that's at the plate 
to get pitches to hit because the pitcher is less concentrated on maybe throwing that strike because they don't want me to get in scoring position. Um, so that that's kind of one of the things that I learned throughout my time at West Point, um, learning under Coach Foster especially, um, was how much that my speed could change the outcome of a game. Um, and I, I had a couple great hitters hit behind me. John Rosoff, uh, he's with the Detroit Tigers now uh, in their organization in AAA. Um, he was hitting behind me in the two-hole my, my uh, sophomore year. Um, and so I was able to, you know, give him a lot of good pitches to hit, I, I think. Um, and he had a great senior year at West Point winning the um, – Patriot League player of the year. Um, so, you know, speed, speed, I think, is always going to be a part of the game. And I think it's going to go in ebbs and flows. Um, I think speed right now might be at a decline where people are thinking more about the long ball and uh, hitting home runs. Um, but there's been a couple of rule changes that they've implemented in the minor leagues this year um, that are trying to get speed back into the game, uh, make the game more exciting. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, you know, yeah, you you might be known, that might be one of your tools, um, speed, but also, I mean, you became a really good to great college hitter, too. I mean, you, you led the Patriot League, I believe it was your uh, junior year, 375 average, and now at high A, you're facing some, <laughs> some really good pitching and some really top prospects, and you're hitting in, in the 280s which for our first year in the minors is, is definitely, you know, a, a, a good thing. How, how much time did you put in and work that work at your hitting as much as maybe your base running and defense, so to speak? Yeah, I, I think that um, the biggest thing that I was able to accomplish to help my hitting was just to become stronger. Um, being able to get your bat speed to the point where you're able to catch up with some of those high velocity fastballs um, that, that can be the difference uh, between getting hits and making hard contact and um, maybe just making weak contact and getting out. Uh, so a lot of the work that I've been doing has been just building my strength and building those quick twitch muscles um, so that I'm able to put myself in a good situation to be able to hit. And that's, that did start at West Point um, and some of the training that we were doing there. Yeah. So uh, I guess it was after your, now, Jacob, this is going to be a, a, a subject for me that I, I've always wanted to ask. So I'm a Mariners fan, right? Okay, yeah. And so after your junior year, the Mariners drafted you in the 39th round, right? Yeah, that's correct. Now I don't. They're they're trade. Sometimes their trading philosophy and their draft philosophy, philosophy puzzles me. But you were a junior at West Point. They drafted you. Did they draft you just to basically kind of own your rights? Because it's not like you were going to leave West Point after your junior year and play pro ball, right? Right. Yeah. So it, that was kind of a funny story how that, that all worked out as well. Um, so at West Point, we have a, a um, training detail at the end of our junior year into our senior year called CLDT. And the draft happened right during CLDT. Um, so I was in the woods for probably seven to 10 or yeah, seven to 10 days. Um, and I got back from that that um time in the woods and i looked checked my phone at all the messages that i had received and you know instagram had kind of been blowing up and i got two missed calls from unknown numbers um they left me voicemails 
I went and checked the the voicemails and it was Dave Pepe, one of the scouts for the Seattle Mariners and the scouting director for the Seattle Mariners. Um, and basically it was just like, Hey, Jacob, we, sorry, we couldn't get a hold of you. Uh, but we just wanted to inform you that you've been drafted by the Seattle Mariners in the 39th round. Um, and that was completely unexpected because going into my senior year, you know, I had kind of told teams, I, I had been receiving some interest, um, heading into my senior year. Um, I had told teams that, Hey, like West point is something that I'm committed to. Um, and you know, this is something that I want to see through to the end. Um, you know, just the accomplishments and, uh, the history that I had kind of mentioned before, that was something that I wanted to finish. I wanted to get my degree. Um, and it, you know, it's just such an accomplishment to be able to say that you went to a school like West Point and were able to complete all four years there. Um, so that, that was something that I didn't want to miss out on. Um, and so when I had got that phone call, you know, I, I called, I called the scouting director back and I called, um, the area scout Dave Pepe back. Um, and they just basically told me that they wanted to honor the commitment that I had to West Point. They knew that I wasn't going to be signing with them, but they wanted to kind of honor the, the year that I had my junior year. Um, and, you know, being able to say that I got drafted is something pretty cool, especially after the year that we just had in 2020, where the draft was cut to five rounds and, you know, I wasn't able to get drafted. Um, so I, I'm technically still able to say that I was drafted in the MLB draft, um, which, which is something super cool and something that, you know, I owe to the Seattle Mariners organization. I take back everything I said about Seattle after that story. I take it back. Long time yeah. matters, man. Take it all back. Yeah. That, you know, I look at it like when you're, when you're uh, waiting the draft, right, you're usually watching it on TV or listening to it online or just by your phone. And the fact that you were kind of in – uh, army training at the time is just like, right. I mean, it's something that I guess when you got back and like you said, your, your, your phone is filled with messages. Your Instagram is, you know, blowing up. I mean, that was, that's something that you'll, that's a day probably you'll, you'll always remember. And your name is always going to be now associated with the draft. Yeah. And you know, the, the days before I was able to get my phone back, you know, I'm running missions out in the, in the woods with, with, um, the, the other cadets at West Point were running ambushes and defenses and um, attacks. So, you know, it was just kind of a completely different switch. Like when I got back to my phone and I was like, man, something cool just happened here. No doubt. No doubt. So talk to us a little bit about how the, the Reds, uh, the Reds come about and how they entered the picture for you. Uh, I know that unfortunately in 2020 with COVID there was baseball was not, you weren't able to, to get in a season, much of a season. Right. So, I mean, how does, how do the Reds come into play? Yeah. So um, also going into, into my senior year, I was um, a part of the Cape Cod league um, up in uh, Massachusetts. Um, and I had a pretty, pretty decent summer up there playing, um, college summer baseball, which a, a lot of the top prospects will um, do that if they're serious about playing professionally. And um, I got back to school, you know, I was getting ready to prepare for my senior year. Um, 
Unfortunately, I had kind of a hamstring issue going into my senior year where I was only limited. Uh, we, we played 17 games total, I believe, during the COVID season. I was only able to participate in five of those games because of my hamstring injury. Um, so a lot of the MLB teams had to rely on past information and past playing experience um, heading into the 2020 draft. Um, so for me, my junior year, my Cape Cod season, that's kind of what the teams were, had to base their information off of in terms of my game and whether or not I would be able to help um, their team moving forward. Uh, so obviously didn't get drafted in the 2020 draft. It was limited to five rounds, like I said. Um, I was at West Point during the MLB draft during that time. During those five rounds, um, it was the day before graduation was the last day of the draft. So Saturday we had our uh, was the last round of the draft. Uh, or excuse me, Friday was the last day of the draft. Saturday I graduated from West Point, and I drove home twelve hours on that Saturday. Um, and the way that the the draft worked this year was there was also a non-drafted free agent signing period. So that took place. 48 hours after the end of the last round of the um, draft in 2020. So I got home on Sunday morning and the non-drafted free agent signing period started at 9 a.m. So I got home from graduation at 7 a.m., had two hours of sleep. And then right there at nine o'clock, I had three teams calling my phone um, trying to sign me. It was the Tigers, the Cubs, and the Reds. Um, all three of those teams told me that I was their top non-drafted free agent guy to try to sign. Um, that's why I got the phone calls at 9 a.m. Um, and so, you know, that that's something pretty cool to, to wake up to uh, when you only get two hours of sleep and you're, you're trying to rest after a long graduation. And um, so, so, so yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. So, at that point, I basically had a decision. I think I had two or three other teams call me um, after that nine o'clock signing or that during that nine o'clock period. Um, and, you know, I basically had a decision that I had to make between these four or five teams um, and all the teams, basically, they tried to, you know, sell their organization, like what they think they can offer to you as a player and help you develop to get you to the big leagues. Um, and the coolest or not the coolest, but um, the one that stood out to me the most was the Cincinnati Reds. Um, they have a philosophy offensively, which is do damage or take the walk. Uh, and if you know anything about my career at West Point was I, I walked a lot. Um, that was something that I prided myself on because to me, on base percentage is one of the most important statistics especially for a speed guy like, like me, um, you know, whenever I'm able to get on base, that's, you know, kind of when I'm able to do damage and wreak havoc and, you know, cause the other teams to, to um, kind of panic a little bit. So, you know, when I heard the, their philosophy, I was like, man, that kind of feels like home already. Uh, and it, it also helped that CJ Gilman, who's currently the hitting coordinator with, um, with the Reds, he was the assistant coach at the Air Force Academy while I was playing. So he had seen me play for three, uh, 
yeah, three years. Um, and he, he kind of knew my game and what I was able to bring to the table. Um, and so, you know, kind of having that familiarity with the military, um, him knowing who I was and how I played my game, it made it that much easier for me to be able to say, yeah, the Cincinnati Reds is, are the team that I want to, that I want to play with. And you grew up a Cubs fan, right? I did. Yeah. I grew up a Cubs fan. Um, and I, I tried not to, you know, make that part of the decision. I wanted to make the decision based on what I thought was going to help my career moving forward. Um, so Cincinnati Reds just ended up being that team for me. And, you know, I, I'm super grateful for all the teams that reached out to me, but also to the Cincinnati Reds for, um, you know, kind of taking this chance on me. Wow. It seems like everything's no doubt worked out. So you signed last summer, but there's not much going on last summer as far as minor league baseball, right? So, so what are you kind of doing to kind of prepare for this season? How much did you have to like really stay on certain things just to be ready to go uh, this spring? Yeah. Like I said, I think maybe I didn't say it, but the biggest thing for me was just to stay in shape, um, trying to be as strong as possible, as fast as possible. So that when the time did come, when we were able to play baseball again, um, I, I was going to be ready to go. Thankfully in October of 2020, um, things kind of started to get a little bit more back to normal. Not really where, um, professional baseball teams were allowed to host a kind of a, a camp. They called it, um, instructional league, um, where they basically invited 30 to 40 players, um, to come into the, uh, spring training facility in Arizona and um, we were basically able to have practices and scrimmage um, against one of the teams down there. So we ended up against the Cleveland Indians because we share a complex with them. Um, so I was able to go down there for a month and kind of make a, my first impression with Cincinnati um, and a lot of the you know head guys that are with the Reds organization were able to kind of see me play my game and you know basically do what I do. Yeah, and I mean, for you to start out at high A, right, that was something – they must have saw something in you in that instructional league to uh, give you the start in high A, right? And you certainly, um, from your, from the first, you know, maybe couple months, you have you, – you, you doesn't seem like you skipped a beat. It seems like you, you're doing the same things you did at West Point that you're doing in the minor leagues. Do you, yeah. do you, is that, do you have, like, flashbacks or anything like that? Or <laughs> I wouldn't say flashbacks, but I, I think that a lot of that comes with just me knowing who I am as a player and being confident in who I am as a player. Um, I, I tell people a lot that, you know, I'm not going to be the guy to go out there and hit home runs, but I'll be the guy that's on base for those home runs. You know, that that's kind of always been my goal is just get on base any way that I can. Um, and, you know, if I'm on base during those home runs for the guys behind me, you know, my run still counts the same as the guy that that hits the home run. So, um, yeah, in, in terms of how I play the game and just being confident in who I am, I think that that's one of my biggest assets is just continuing to do what I do and, um you know, hope, hopefully people are able to notice the impact that it makes on the field. Yeah, and you're not just um, getting on base or, you know, stealing bases and scoring runs. You're coming up with some clutch hits, too. So, I mean, you're coming up with some clutch hits to driving runs, too. So, I mean, I mean, it start. I mean, do you, 
you got to be feeling pretty comfortable right right now where you are so so far in your minor league career or yeah i mean baseball is one of those games where it's ups and it's downs you just gotta kind of ride it you know we have a long season 120 games i've gone through stretches this year where i i've struggled at the plate and that's just kind of how baseball works sometimes sometimes you're seeing the ball super well sometimes you know you make one small adjustment or teams are starting to pitch to you differently and you have to be able to adapt and you know, change your focus, change your mindset a little bit um, to kind of get back in the gear uh, so that you can get on track and get those hits and, you know, get on base. So it's just one of those things that's a part of the game where, you know, the best hitters are able to get on consistently and hit, you know, hit to get on base. Um, and that that's one of those things in my first year of minor league baseball that, you know, I've kind of had to work through um, is just those, those ups and downs and how to, um, you know, try to be as consistent as possible every day on the field. Can you give us like a little insight into what minor league baseball is like in 2021, as far as like, you know, road trips and just being around the team and stuff. I know that, you know, might've been COVID protocols early on. I mean, what, what what's life like uh, in the minor leagues in 2021? Yeah. So I don't have anything to compare it to because this is my first year. I don't necessarily know, um, what the road trips were like in the past, um, how things might've been different. Um, I know that this year they did change the schedule for us. So instead of having three game series at a time, we're now playing six game series against the same team um, throughout the course of the week with a scheduled off day on Mondays. Um, So basically this year, what we're doing is we, we started out in Michigan. We traveled to Michigan, played a six game series, stayed in a hotel, Um, yes, there are COVID COVID protocols. We're getting tested twice a week right now, um, for COVID. Um, and any time that somebody tests positive or comes up as positive, they have to sit out for 10 days. Um, that's the only big difference and big, you know, kind of thing that sucks with COVID and how it, how it's, you know, not taking control of the game, but it can limit your ability to develop as a player if you do end up getting it and have to sit out for 10 days, which, you know, could be nine games, which is a a good chunk of the season um, for us. But thankfully nobody on our team has gotten it. I only know of one or two players throughout minor league baseball that have had COVID. um, And it really hasn't had, too big of an impact on us so far, which, you know, we're super thankful for and hope it continues that way. Um, but yeah, besides COVID, you know, the, the atmosphere in minor league baseball is super, super chill. Um, everybody is going out there with the same goal, trying to make it to the major leagues. Um, and, you know, we're, we're trying to play as hard as we can to help each other reach the, those goals. Um, it is kind of individualistic at times where you're trying to achieve certain statistics and trying to do certain things on the field and also trying to, um, you know, just like develop certain skill sets. Like for me, one of the things I am trying to do is maybe try to hit a couple more doubles or triples to just get myself on base further along. So I don't maybe have to steal as many, um, and help drive in runs. Um, but you know, we're all out there trying to accomplish the same dream and, um, it's been a lot of fun. The, the guys that the Cincinnati Reds and have put together on this high A team, they've been a blast to play with. And, uh, 
you know, it's just a bunch of 23, 24 year old guys going out there and trying to, trying to make it happen. So I've enjoyed it. Um, and also the cultural experience has been pretty cool too. Uh, I've been able to play with guys from the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Mexico, uh, Cuba. So it, it's just been super cool, you know, getting to learn from those guys as well. Um, they do speak pretty good English. So um, we're able to communicate here and there and, um, you know, it's just a blast. Yeah. Uh, you talk about just the love of the game, right. And the love that you have for the game. I mean, was baseball your sport growing up? I mean, what do you remember? Is there, is you start in T-ball and it doesn't start there. Or what made you kind of um, flow into baseball, so to speak? What made you like find baseball as your love? Would you say? Um, from, from Indiana, and I'm too short to play basketball. So uh, <laughs> baseball kind of just happened to be the sport that uh, that I was good at. And, you know, I was able to get myself to go to college to play that. Um, but, yeah, you talk about the love of the game. It, it did start from an early age. Baseball always was my favorite sport. Um, I remember writing, like, little picture books in third and fourth grade of, like, my favorite players and, um, you know, going to baseball games at Wrigley Field as a Cubs fan. Uh, we have the Indianapolis Indians, which are the AAA team um, for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, you know, I was able to just be around baseball my whole life. My dad didn't necessarily grow up around baseball. He grew up in Canada where he played hockey and golf. Um, but, you know, those sports aren't as prominent here in, in Indiana. So, um, you know, I played a lot of sports growing up and baseball just happened to be the one that I was I was really good at and was able to you know, now I'm able to make a career out of it. Yeah, you talked about writing about your favorite players back when you were in elementary school. What, who were some of your favorite players growing up? Um, for me, like my favorite player was Ichiro, uh, which is, you know, it, it kind of fits like who I am as a, uh, as a player because Ichiro is kind of a slap guy. He could hit the home run occasionally, but, you know, his speed was something that I just love to watch. Um and, you know, those are the guys that I continue to love to watch today. Uh, those are the guys that when they're up to the plate or on base, that's when I personally get to the edge of my seat because I know that something exciting could ha potentially happen um, with those guys running. So whether it's a first to third or stealing a base or coming around a score on a, on a base hit from second base, you know, th those are the types of players that I think can, like, make a difference in the lineup and uh and help teams win so that that's the kind of player that i'm trying to be i thought ichiro was one of those players um you know i loved albert pujols growing up as well um today it's guys like trey turner and um you know d gordon back in his prime those those are all guys that i love to to kind of just watch play baseball yeah and uh they share certainly those type or the type of guys that share your passion for the game, no doubt. When you're talking about guys you looked up to, um, you talked about what it meant for you to get that degree at West Point, and now you're playing minor league baseball. Uh, there's also, um, you know, when the, the commit the the military the active duty commitment side too when you graduate, and how are you how are you looking at that? I know right now you're pretty much focused on baseball, and that's where all your energies go to. But how are you looking at possibly it down the road in the future about like uh, back to the army, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
super thankful for um, President Trump and the, the policy that he was able to put um, in place for the academy athletes to go and play professionally after um, they graduate from the academies. Um, so that that's the whole reason why I'm able to even be doing what I'm doing and to be able to kind of play without having um, having or without having that commitment right away. Uh, for those unfamiliar with the policy, basically what we have to do is um, once we graduated from West Point, we were able to go and play professional baseball or for me, professional baseball or whatever professional sport you're able to play. Um, and that, that service time of five years just gets delayed. Um, so our service is not, you know, just waved off by any means. Um, that That is still something that um, we have to do and something that, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be able to do and to, to serve one day um, our country. Um, but yeah, obviously I am working right now just to achieve my dream of playing professional baseball um, and to be able to do that as long as I can. Um, kind of how the timeline might work on that is at every May, I have to submit a packet uh, with a couple credential things. Um, one proof of contract that I'm still playing for a professional team. Um, two, I have to put together a list of, um, of media sources that I've been able to use to help spread my story and, um, you know, kind of talk about West Point and everything that it, it's kind of meant to me. And, um, after, after doing those things, they kind of review my packet make sure that I'm still a fit for the policy. And um, basically I'm, I'm able to play as long as they see uh, these things as favorable um, for the army and um, everything that I'm doing. Well, we're glad the black Knight nation podcast could help you out with that. You could put us yeah. on your media list now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely be using it for sure. Hey, just um, about your, the army um, background, the army name, just, what is the reaction? Do you get a reaction from your teammates that, Hey, when this is all said and done, that is there a little a respect factor there? Maybe that, Hey, when this is all said and done that you, that's what you kind of went to college for is to, you know, serve your country. Yeah. I, so it's, it's funny that they still give me the nickname Lieutenant, even though I'm technically not a Lieutenant right now, they'll, they'll call me Lieutenant um, just kind of as a joke, but um you know, they, they know that the commitment that I took on when I went to West Point, um, that, that it's a big deal and that one day that is going to be my career. Um, and, you know, I, you don't necessarily, you know, we're 23, 24 year old guys. They're not going to like come up and shake my hand and say, oh, thank you for your service. Um, but, you know, you, you can definitely tell that there's a respect factor there um, and just my decision to go to West Point and, um be there for four years, get my degree, um, and just knowing what I'm going to be doing for the country in the future. No doubt. Um, while we're talking baseball, I have to talk about walk-up music, right? And maybe <laughs> like what you used at West Point. Are you using the same thing now? Um, maybe what was the best walk-up music for your for your Army teammates when when you were playing? Because I know back in the day, I did a story on just simply a day at the ballpark with walk-up music for the entire Army starting lineup uh, when I was at in, in the newspaper business. It's something that I always like to hear, um, and I just wonder what what what, you, what you're using now, and is it the same that you were using at West Point? 
Yeah. So at West Point, uh, I used the same walk-up song for all three years. My teammates hated it, but I thought it was ca- kind of catchy. It was I'm a bee by the Black Eyed Peas. Um, and so my nickname at West Point was Bees. So I'm a bee just kind of made sense to me. It kind of flowed. Um, I thought it was kind of catchy. Um, but, you know, the teammates that I had for the three years that I was there, they were kind of like, Bees, can you choose a different walk-up song at this point? <laughs> I was like, it's working for me, so I got to stay with it. Um, In Dayton, we actually don't get to choose walk-up songs, unfortunately. Dayton is a family-friendly ballpark, so, um, you know, they kind of just play whatever music they feel fits that environment. Um, But some of the other walk-up songs that I remember at West Point, uh, I think one of the big ones was uh, Anthony Joaquin's Desperado. Uh, That was a really good one. I'm a big fan of uh, a walk-up song that like fires you up. Um, and so I'm a B kind of fired me up. That song fired me up. Um, if I were to choose one today, um, man, there's so many out there. I, I feel like I would choose wolves by big Sean. Uh, okay. That's, that's one that, that kind of fires me up. I'm big into rap. Um, not so much into like the heavy metal rock type of fire you up, but something that just has a good beat that you can walk up to the plate with confidence. Do you remember uh, this season, what a song might've been played when you were, or are you just so laser focused that you don't really hear that in the background when you go to the plate? I no, mean, you're like, why are they, you know, this song is nothing like what I would ever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, so, sometimes you hear it and you're kind of just like, what, what was that? Um, but yeah, for the most part, I kind of just lock in on, uh, on my job heading to the plate. Nice. As we wrap up this podcast, maybe we could ask you just like, what uh, are your, your, your goals for the rest of the season? And what do you want to see yourself maybe um, do um, for the Dayton Dragons uh, the rest of the way here? Yeah. Uh, right now the Dragons were, I think a game and a half back of um, first place uh, in, in our division. So, you know, big thing for me is just try to continue being a team player I don't want to focus. I think if you focus too much individual individually, um, that's where you kind of start to trend downwards in terms of your statistics. I think that if you have a team mindset, um, you know, you're able to accomplish a lot more and not maybe not get so down on yourself. If you do end up going into, you know, a little bit of a a little bit of a slump. Um, So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to just be the same consistent player that I was at the beginning of the season um, and trying to just help our team win. I think the, I think that the team goals are more important than those individual goals. Um, and, you know, I'm just looking forward to the last month and a half of the season and, um, you know, see where we're at come September 19th. Wow. Well, so much success you had in college, right? And winning Patriot League championships and getting to the NCAA tournament. And, man, what a feeling it might be if you guys can – can get to the postseason, right? And experience the postseason in professional baseball too. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit different. So at the beginning of the year, we didn't even think we were going to have playoffs Um, just because of COVID. They're trying to limit the amount of interaction between teams. Um, And so it, at the, probably the halfway point of the season, they decided the top two teams uh, record wise, not even based on the divisions. We're going to have a seven game. I don't know if it's five game or seven game series 
um, just to kind of crown champion at the end of the year. So that is something that we're, we're still in the hunt for and hopefully we're able to make a streak and, you know, get there by, by September 19th. Awesome. Very cool. We'll be following Jacob, uh, you and the Dayton Dragons throughout this season. We, we really appreciate you having you on. Um, you again, guys, if you're listening to this podcast, feel, please, uh, follow us on YouTube and also on all the podcast platforms to, uh, listen to and watch interviews like this one with Jacob, Jacob, thanks. Really appreciate your time and all the best, uh, the rest of the season for you. Thanks, Sal. Thanks for having me on.